Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. Roger Abel here with Elias Randall. Elias is sharing some big news with us. He's on a um, reading mission this year. Share with the listeners oh, what that, we're reading. Is that my big news? I mean, we talked. Well, it's funny. We talked about reading books just yesterday. Then you shared some really personal information with me, and you took me back to the world of Hogwarts. Yep. And it's embarrassing because I'm an adult that is reading harry potter but that's what's happening and you know maybe okay maybe it is useful it's been a useful strategy for me so i was having a difficult time winding down at the end of the day and falling asleep so i thought okay well i'll read and that started with reading books related to either work or officiating right the two things i spend most of my time doing well, that's too stimulating, and then I can't sleep because I'm thinking about those things. And my kids had the box set of all the Harry Potters. My daughter wanted to get them a couple of years ago, so I thought, well, maybe if I read fiction books, that'll help me fall asleep. And one, I enjoy it. It's kind of a fun story. I I read the first two in about six weeks, but it's it's been effective. It's it's kind of a nerdy thing to do, but I've enjoyed it. I like kind of going to Hogwarts right before I go to sleep and learn a little bit of magic. I think as you get older, what what you do actually changes. Like your activities change. I mean, I guarantee you 10 years ago, you weren't thinking about reading a book before you went to bed. Uh, no, and if I was, it would have never been something – fiction or science fiction or something like that yeah and 10 years ago you didn't worry about getting sleep and neither did i we didn't have little kids now you're like yeah i gotta get some sleep you know back in the day you're like yeah i can go to bed at 11 because even if i'm tired for work i don't have any other responsibility and now you just you kind of gotta be on your game with these little kids all the time yes without proper recharging there's just no there's no way you can i don't know how people can do it with little kids and if I don't get a good night's sleep, maybe like one night's not so bad, but if it's two or three nights in a row, um, then I'm grumpy and I don't want to do anything. And, you know, between work and having a family, it's a lot. And kids don't, if people that are listening have children, they understand, but if you've never had a family, you really, it's hard to grasp how much energy that they always have and how much energy they require to engage with them. Do you ever think back to 10 years ago and figure out no. what you were doing with all your time? Okay, yes, I have. I ha- Yes. And like how Actually, much you accomplished today question. versus then? Yeah, here's the thing I talk about with people. Remember when you're in college and it's finals week and you're just like, how am I ever going to study and get through these tests and get everything done at the end of the semester? And then you think about you're not busy. That's not even close to being busy. That's no, nothing. Four hours of studying? What's that? Right, but it, feel, it feels like a lot when you're going through it. Well, but. I think as you age, every like chapter in your life, things change. So I think back to myself, 10 or 15 years ago, I'd fish four days a week, three or four days a week, right? I'd find a way to get out after work. I'd fish Saturday morning, Sunday morning. I had my boat out two times last year. And it's not because I don't want to do it, but one, my interests have changed because I have kids and other family things going on, but you have so much, you're so busy, you can't find a three-hour block of time after work, and you don't have 
eight hours to commit to go fishing on a Saturday. You know, it, it just things change as you get older. It does. And, and I and personally, I would rather just hang out with my kids and do the stuff that they like doing. Yeah, I, I have a lot of fun and enjoyment hanging out with them. And it's you know you kind of gotta turn it down a little bit, right? Because they're kids; they're not adults, or they're not interested in all the things I am, but. It's fun hanging out with them. So you're in your 30s. I'm in my mid-40s. My wife's a little older than I am, not much. We're approaching this, like, age 50, which I think for a lot of people is a big milestone. And I know, personally, there's just a lot of different things I think about now. Just even from two years ago, just, you're like, man, 60's not that far away, and 65 not that far away, and 70's not that far away. And I think for fit people, 50 is, like, this number of, like, whoa, where did the last 30 years go? And I'm 10 to 15 years away from retirement. And I feel like that's when people get really serious about it for a couple of reasons. One, many people at 50, they're starting to have kids exit the house. So they have more time to start to focus on, okay, what do I need to do to prepare? When you have three kids running around your house or two kids or five or whatever you have, it's just pure purely trying to figure out how to get to the next day, <laughs> get everybody to the yes. practice and keep them fed and get them to school and not forget one. And how, how to teach the baby not to eat the food that the other kids dropped on the floor the day before. Keep batteries out of their mouth. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know what I mean? So like fifties at miles where people are starting to leave. And we talked about um, a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that one of the things I'm looking forward to about 50 for both myself and my wife is being able to do catch up contributions into our 401k. And I said, how boring has life gotten that that's like my life isn't boring, but I'm excited for that one. Cause I can afford to do it. And two, yeah. um, there should be a, that, that could be like a, one of those memes. That's like, tell me you're a financial advisor without saying it. Well, I'm excited for catch up <laughs> contributions. Like no one else, no Dude. one else would say something like that. Well, it's because I, I see the impact of it. Yeah. Like I know what that impact is for 15 years if I do that, but you know, we've done a lot of research on people in their fifties or entering their fifties and most people going into their fifties, I won't say most, but many feel really unprepared for retirement. And it's because a lot of people have raised a family. They didn't have, they didn't have discretionary income to go do a catch-up contribution. I mean, I look well. I don't look that close, but I know what we spend on activities. What most families, if you have two or three kids, are going to spend on sports shoes and dance or music or whatever those activities are. For a lot of people, that's a monster retirement account if you don't have to spend that money. So now you get to if 50. you didn't have kid activities and oh, you just saved all that money? Yeah. Oh, you'd have millions of dollars. Now, it's not worth it because you're forgoing all those experiences with your kids and all those things that they have. That That's worth more than this monster retirement account. But that's why people enter 50 unprepared. They don't feel like they're doing great because they've had to raise a family. I mean, that's a Gen Xer. Average savings, 40,000 bucks. I was a little surprised. I, I thought I was a little surprised by that. I, I think the other thing, people at that age, what I've even what I've noticed even with really good savers is they still feel unprepared. It's probably because they haven't done any financial planning and they haven't really had a professional quantify for them that they are prepared. 
So a lot of people are in that boat. They either feel behind because they haven't saved enough or they ha- a lot of people have saved enough, but they just don't know it. And they don't know, is this going to be enough? Have I done the things I should do? So I, I, either way, you know, it kind of leads to the main topic of our show and you get a financial plan to kind of evaluate where you are, right? That's kind of the starting point to figure it out. ARP had a study, 62% of people age 50 and up have not consulted a financial advisor. That means 62% of the people think they can do this on their own. We're the only only job in the world that people think they can have zero experience and make it work really well. Yeah, well. I mean, seriously. Yeah, yeah, or people think, oh, can I talk – can I talk to you a couple times and can you educate me about investments and then I'll just go buy my own? <laughs> no, that's no. not how I do it. Well, it, it can't happen. And that you quick. can't, yeah, I can't have three conversations with you and then you understand. Like that'd be like me saying to my plumber, "Hey, come over to my house and meet with me for three hours, and then I'm gonna replace all the plumbing in my house." I'd have a flood. It's a hundred percent chance I'd have water damage. So yeah. my. One of our friends was helping me replace a toilet the other day. And he's like showing me all this stuff and telling me how to do it. I'm like, that's awesome. I'm never going to do this. He goes, wait a minute. You've never replaced a toilet. I'm like, I don't know how to turn the water off to the toilet. Oh, come on. You do too. Now I do. Yeah. Dude, okay. I do now because I got to turn the nozzle. But, you know, it's like sealing this thing and this caulking. I'm like, I'm never doing this. I'm just going to call someone to do it. And replace, replacing a toilet—that's is a—that's a nasty job. Well, and think it's about gross. it. Like how? So for me to say what a few hundred dollars, it's not worth it. I'm going to take the risk that I flood my house if I do one thing wrong, with potentially not just water. So that's disgusting. One of the things, though, when people kind of hit this age fifty, that haven't got a plan, they're not prepared. The other thing they do is they they all of a sudden have this bump up in income once the kids leave. I, I hear this from people all the time. Well, just got done putting my kid through college. I was spending 10000 bucks a year, and I've got this one. I'm going to have all this discretionary money. The problem is if you're behind, most people take the lifestyle creep over the catch-up contribution. Because a lot they of didn't, people do. Well, they didn't. They, most people with kids. They don't have a whole lot of lifestyle. They're putting it into their kids. They haven't had time to go out to dinners. They haven't had time to take vacations. Like, oh, wow, the kids are gone. What are we going to do? We're empty empty nesters. So one of the things you should do if you're turning 50 is, you know, come up to the boundary financially, get your plan done, but then say, okay, if I've got an extra 20,000 a year, how much do I need to commit to this retirement goal? And then how much can I get a little bit of lifestyle creep in it? I was, before we came in here, just doing some scenarios of, for myself actually, of, hey, what if you put X amount of more in every year, like escalating contributions? The impact, the impact, I want to say I increased the contribution like 5% a year is 5%. From now for 20 years, I just did 20 years, the increase in assets I would have was like 30%. So for the next that's 20 pretty, years, I'm going to increase. That's a big increase in one year, though, 5%. Well, 
I mean, if you're putting 20,000 away, it's $1,000. It's $80 a month. I'm and talk- especially if yeah, you're 50. Okay, you know- yes, but I'm talking from the perspective of if someone's saving 10% of their income this year and then next year they're going to increase No, not 5% it- of their income. 5% of what they're saving. Okay, I so mis- you're saving. Yeah, okay, so I misunderstood. So what think you were about saying. it. So, so you make hundred. Yeah, you make a yeah. hundred thousand. You're saving ten percent. It's ten thousand. I increase my savings five hundred dollars, five percent a year. That's ten thousand five hundred. I went from ten to ten and a half percent. But it was thirty okay, percent more in assets. Thirty percent more in assets. Yeah, I had I had to do this for myself. I I guess it was a financial. Boundary. I increased my 401k contributions. I didn't want to. It was painful, but I made myself do it. And guess what? Probably worth it over the long term. You know how you I'm mean- not really missing out on anything. It's just just like anybody. Do I want more on my paycheck? Do I want more money in the bank? Do I want to go out to eat more often? Do I want to go on more vacation? Yeah, just I'm just like everyone else. But I forced myself to do it. Here's how to make it easy if you're if you know, let's say you have a person who's maxing out four hundred one Ks and they're doing their Ross and they're saving more. The way to make that increase easy, do it weekly. I do my you know me, I do mine weekly. It comes right out my bank I do account. mine yeah, I Every do mine week. weekly too. Cause if I need to increase my savings rate a hundred dollars a month, well it's twenty five bucks. Who's gonna notice that? Most people will not notice that. That is true. So just some tips is I'm, you know, I'm getting ready to turn 50. Well, I'm not getting ready, but I think about it all the time. And I just think about how do I start to navigate this and take advantage of all the, the increased options that I can have later in time. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? The financial professionals at Premier Investments and Wealth Management are the guides you've been looking for. Picture this, a financial plan tailored exclusively to you Our team of experienced professionals will work closely with you to understand your aspirations and develop a personalized roadmap to get you there. Whether you're dreaming of retirement, buying a new home, or sending your kids to college, we've got the tools to give you confidence in your financial life. We'll help you navigate saving and investing, retirement income, and tax strategies. Our job is not just about making money. It's about helping our clients make smart choices. We'll provide you with the tools and knowledge to confidently steer your financial ship toward a brighter future. Are you ready to embark on your financial journey with confidence? Visit www.btwealthshow.com or click the link in the description of this podcast. Your financial future awaits. Elias, one of the other things I realized the older I get, the further I get away from tech, I, I don't get further away, but I feel like technology gets a little bit harder. And think about this. When you were young, you were like all up on the tech. You knew all the new technology. Most people. I would. I was not in that category. Okay. But then you look at like your parents and you're like, man, you guys don't know how to do any of this stuff. Like my parents, my wife's parents, they don't know how to work a Hulu or a streaming TV service. They still need direct TV and the channel changer and all that. But I look at my kids now. Well, your daughter's in a coding class, right? Oh, yeah. You should, little kids with computers or like an iPad, just swipe, swipe, swoosh. They're fast. They're looking at mom and dad and saying, you have no idea what you're doing. So my daughter the other day pulled up my computer. She's like, dad, I want to change your screensaver. I'm like, okay. She's pressing all these buttons. And pretty soon I have these dinosaur fish on my Google page. And 
I'm like, how do you know how to do this? She's seven. I'm like, how do you know how to do that? So now we're our parents. But one of the things I was doing our thinner CE yesterday, actually, you know, thinner makes us do continuing education every year. And one of them was on data breaches and phishing scams and email. And one of the things you're seeing is almost everybody has not everybody, but a vast majority of people has had been hacked either through their Facebook account or their email. And it's one of the ways people get your identity and start to steal money from you. And these are like super advanced schemes that are happening out there. And they steal money from companies too. Yeah. They come in, they steal all the data and then they just hold you hostage for a ransom. So I thought it'd be good because I'm guessing the demographic of this show is not 25 year olds. It might be, and that's cool, but it's probably a little bit older. So I'll take Molly on her office, for example, when she creates a password, it's like this long password, super complicated. Most people our age, guess what they're doing? It's, personal. it's super simple. It's yeah. personal, it's super simple, super easy to lose or get stolen. And think about this. We all think it's not going to happen to us. Here's this statistic everybody should know. 11% of publicly traded companies were compromised in 2023. They likely have the most sophisticated protocols in place to protect data. Um, It's going to happen to everybody at some point. It's going to happen. And I've said that for a long time. It's not if it's going to happen, it's when and how you're going to eventually deal with the problem. But a couple of things that really came to light when I was doing this uh, continuing education course is how do you actually start to protect yourself from this happening? And a lot of people don't know it's happening to them. They have no idea. So there's there's a couple of things we'll talk about. But first, I think we should talk about how to create a password that is unique that people can't get. And it's really creating complex passwords, right? Um, the longer, the more symbols. I want to say I read on that FINRA CE, one of the most common passwords is your pet's name. Pretty easy to figure out. You can get on someone's Facebook page and say, oh, Willie got hurt today. <laughs> Plug it in. Yeah. And pretty soon you have all so, of their stuff. Yeah, I, w- I did the, that same the training, the CE training you're talking about. I did the same. I did the the same training a couple weeks ago, and my password game is pretty weak. I realized, like all the things they're saying that make a not good password. I just, I'm like, I feel personally attacked. I suck at making passwords. Mine are not. They're better now. Well, but the, everybody's going to be pet's better. Name, I've absolutely done that. Of course. Okay. After people listen to this show, I promise you they're going to go change their passwords. Here's why. This, if you're watching, a lot of people aren't going. Yeah, but this is going to scare people because people think like, oh, I used this name and this number and this symbol. Like nobody's going to get that, right? That's what they think, and it's short because they want to be able to remember it. And I, I'm guilty, just like everybody. Molly could guess my password for ninety percent of my accounts, probably. Okay. But we have a chart right here. How long will it take to crack your password? So if you have what I would call, a lot of people would believe this is a pretty good password. It's six characters. It's a mix of numbers, lowercase, 
uppercase and symbols, right? So it's a six character. So it could be Elias. It could be whatever. But you think I have uppercase, lowercase, a symbol, and a number. Six. Takes 13 minutes to crack it. If you only have upper and lowercase in the alphabet, that's it. And it's six characters, they can crack it instantly. Instantly. But if you went to a 10-character password with lower and uppercase in the alphabet, so no symbols, no numbers, 10 characters, 169 days to get it. If you did a 10-character password with numbers, lowercase, uppercase, and symbols, 10 characters, 928 years to crack it. So everybody listening, I really believe you should have a password that's at least 10 characters with uppercase, lowercase, symbols, and numbers. I'm going to change all mine to 10 characters. Are you really? Yeah, I am. This is, well, I mean, so let's just think about it. How, how if somebody got your, your Facebook, your Facebook profile, they probably are going to get your PayPal too. Cause a lot of people have it connected. If people get into your email, if someone broke into your email, how much information can they get about you from email? Yeah. Probably no way more than I can't you even think. answer that question. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. What stuff's been emailed? I just to you? figure. I just figure it's all, all of it. Yeah, all I, the information. If they get in my email, they're getting it all. They're going to be able to figure out what credit cards I have. They're going to figure out what banks I have because everybody sends you a confirmation. Oh, you paid this bill. Here's your. You know, they're going to figure it out. So I think the first way to really start to protect your information. And this is eye opening for me because I've been done a poor job of doing some of this. Now, I think most of my stuff now is close to 10 characters, but it's probably stuff people could crack if they knew enough about me. Yeah, most of the programs we use the just to give it a good password, which now that we're talking about this, it makes sense. Like I, our broker-dealer passwords are yeah. required. They're all like 10 characters. I'm talking about your password to get into your home mortgage. Like if you're logging in to pay it, like, you know, the ones that we're required to do for our industry are phenomenal passwords because they force you to do it. But think about all the passwords you've had set up for 20 years. When you first set it up, it was like four characters, no numbers, no symbols, no uppercase. Just yeah, super just easy. terrible, terrible password. So I think as people see this, just you should be looking for a 10 character password to protect your information because it's the easiest way to avoid people getting your stuff. And once they get your stuff, that just is going to wreak havoc on you. And most of your financial information's out there. I mean, most people, your identity has been stolen. You just don't know it yet. So second way to really protect your accounts is to enable that, that two factor authentication. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it's probably one of the best ways to, to protect what you're doing. They got to know your password. Then they have to have control over your phone too, or wherever, wherever that's going to, to, to double crack it. Yeah, and it, it is kind of inconvenient, but again, it's a good step to have. Um, you know, the other thing, the phishing attempts. They're those, so good. Yeah, they are so good. And I almost got, especially around the holidays, 
because I, I own the first one I got, I almost got tricked by it because it's like, it was something about a package, right? I kept getting basically the same thing over and over, but click on the link to see the package. So I'm reading it. I'm wait a second. Why would I get this? Because I don't do any of the like my phone should never get an alert about a package I was ordered online. My wife does all the online ordering. But let's say I was. If I was shot, I could have easily clicked on that link because it looked like it was from Amazon. If I was online shopping, I would have, oh, okay, I need to see what this is. But they're just, it was a, a phishing attempt. To and the key you just phone. said, it was on your phone because they were probably trying to get your email because once they, if they get oh, your I'm phone sh- number, yeah. now that's the two-factor. I'm sure. So – the number I tell my wife this, I tell everybody this. If you get an email and you're not a hundred percent sure where it came from, don't click the link. Go to the website, type the www.url and go log in and see if it is real. But don't click the link. That's what they want. Um, I've been getting them from, and like when we get them through our our corporate email, we have a little phishing tab that we can hit and say phishing, so it starts to sort it out. But if they get into the corporate stuff, it just spreads like wildfire. So don't click links. I, I'm getting these ones. Hey, your invoice is attached. Which don't do curiosity it. kills the cat, right? Don't We're, do it. People are curious in nature. We're curious. Like, oh, what could that be? Don't click it. So when in doubt, just pick up the phone, call the company, go directly to their website. I think that it's the couple of really great pieces of information I pulled out of this previous continuing education course that I just did. And, um, I was kind of alarmed. I didn't realize they could get my password. If it's, if, if you have a seven character password with uppercase, lowercase, they can, they're going to get it within the day. So 10 characters in your password. Um, but I think to end the show, let, let's, we we're having a segment every single show, Elias, about how we're going to challenge blanket advice in 2024. And instead of just taking the blanket advice, we're trying to figure out and say, Hey, why is this good or bad? And why is blanket advice maybe dangerous for your situation? And, and I think this, I'm going to throw this one to you and it's about social security because there's a lot of blanket advice about social security. You should always take it at 62. You should always wait until you're 70. You know, there's hundreds of ways to claim this benefit. Give me an idea or two why blanket advice isn't really probably the best way to go about determining when you're going to claim Social Security if your goal is to maximize it. Not everybody's goal is to maximize it. But if your goal is to maximize it, let's talk about why blanket advice isn't the greatest way to do this. Well... In, okay, in general, and I'll start with the first one, just take your money and run that thought. I'm going to claim as, claim as soon as I can at age 62. So, okay, first, blanket advice. That could be something you Googled. That could be a tip from the barber who cuts your hair. It could be a tip from... One of your buddies that you drink beers with in your garage, they probably don't one don't know enough about your individual situation to make a recommendation on what your social security strategy should be. And barring an event or bad health, the reality of 
claiming at 62 statistically that's probably the way to get the least of mo- the least amount of money over time out of social security now that being said maybe you don't have other assets to supplement your income sufficiently that you have to take it at 62 and if you need it for income purposes it's a good idea to maybe take it if you know there it's really it's a crystal ball question too if you know you know maybe you've had health events or you don't have like longevity on your side when you look at the family history those things you should think about as well now the okay anything else before i go into the waiting until 70 anything else on just taking it at 62 i don't even think it's so arbitrary. There's so many factors that go into when this is right for you to take it. it there's so many cases where we have one spouse take it at 62 and one wait till 70 because we're trying to minimize risk. One person has a lot bigger benefit than the other. Like, If you think without a good amount of research, you're going to get Social Security right, I'm telling you, you're not. There's 300 ways to claim it. How are you going to figure out which one? of the 300 is right for you. And even if you do a ton of research and you think you got it right, you probably didn't because you don't know when you're going to pass away. So in my opinion, in my opinion, social security is not about figuring out how to maximize it because unless you know when you're going to die, that's impossible. But what is possible is to take a really well-crafted financial plan and figure out what strategy, if you live to be, let's say, age 94, provides you the highest probability of success. Because if you have a strategy, regardless if you take it at 62 or 70, one provides you 10% more probability of not running out of money at 94. Do you really care if you passed away at 80? You're not going to know you didn't maximize it. But at 94, you might look back and be like, boy, I wish I would have done this different now because my quality of life is going down and I get it. Social security has inflation increases in it. The inflation increase in social security is typically enough to offset the increased cost of their Medicare. It's not improving their quality of life. It might offset their healthcare cost. So, I think the only way to do this is see what works best in a financial plan, what protects your spouse or your family the most if something happens to you. And if you're looking to get that done, you can go to btwellshow.com. We'd be happy to get you started with a financial plan. Um, If you haven't gotten your personalized one-page Premier Vision document, you can click started there. I think we also have a financial wellness quiz that's been really well received for people who just want to kind of get a checkup and see where they're at. That's btwellshow.com. Or you can click the link in the description. Um, Elias, I, I want to thank you. It's a great show today. I'm happy to hear that you're in the Hogwarts book, books. I'm excited to. You're, you're, I, wel- you're welcome. If you want to know, if you want to know what happens in uh, Harry Potter's first two years of his schooling at Hogwarts, I'm pretty well uh, so versed in that. Here's right what now. you don't know: I've watched every single Harry Potter movie. I've seen the movies. Yeah, is I've it is the movie a lot green. different? Actually, uh, I. The, at least the first two books that I've read and then knowing the movies, I think they do a really good job of either consolidating things that can and, and leaving. I don't think they leave out anything that's super important to the story. 
All right. Well, with that said, I want to thank everybody for listening. If you're looking for more content like this, please subscribe to our, our channel. Um, and you can follow us on social media. I want to thank everybody for listening. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. This information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific tax issues with a qualified tax advisor. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted and there can be no guarantee that strategies promoted will be successful. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. There is no assurance that the techniques and strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. The purchase of certain securities may be required to affect some of the strategies. Investing involves risks including possible loss of principal. Dollar cost averaging involves continuous investment in securities. Regardless of fluctuation in price levels of such securities, an investor should consider their ability to continue purchasing through fluctuating price levels. Such a plan does not assure profit and does not protect against loss.